Well, today in the program, I've got a few news stories that I want to share with you, including one that goes back to January of 2017. And when I share this particular story, you're going to go say what? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Hard to believe here we are, brand new month. November the 1st, and I'd like to just take a little moment at the beginning of the program to to wish my wife, Lori, a happy birthday today here on November 1st. Today also marks the fact that we're beginning our, ready for this, <laughs> hard to believe, our 15th month of doing Truth to Ponder. We started this program on the last day of August in 2020, and we have just now wound up 14 months of Truth to Ponder. What a year and two months it has been. Tomorrow, before I forget, tomorrow in a couple of locations, New Jersey and in Virginia, it's election day for the gubernatorial race. Now, I already have some concerns about the Virginia race and uh, having a daughter and son-in-law that live in the extreme southwestern portion of the state. I do have concerns for them living in Virginia with some of the nonsense that has come out of the city of Richmond and northern Virginia near Washington, D.C. Virginia is a very divided state, no matter how you cut it. Those that are really loving their big, bloated federal government love the Biden administration, love all the nonsense that is going on in D.C., and they feed like pigs at a trough, and they like it. Or they like the free stuff. Take your choice. And and Virginia, a lot of people are just not happy with what's been going on in government. You got, you know, Terry McAuliffe, you know, he's running for, for governor again. And, and my real fear is, and, and I'm going to just come out and say it. Do I think they would cheat? Do I think they would attempt to steal an election? You bet I do. They have no morals, no scruples, no ethics, no conscience, no nothing. They have hearts of stone full of darkness. They're reprobates, and they don't care. They're proud of being reprobates. They just don't care. Would they steal an election? They believe, like every dictator over time, the ends always justify the means. If we have to steal an election, so be it. We shall be justified in the end. And so I believe that it's already beginning. When you see a news story come out from somebody who is a, shall we say, Trump hater, Republican conservative hater, saying, you know, it it could take till Friday to get the results in because we we, we need to make sure we have all the mail-in ballots. Yeah. I made a posting on my personal Facebook page last week. And I had a picture of Terry McAuliffe looking with this little grin on his face. And I said, this is the smile when you know they've got enough ballots hidden in trunks of cars all over Virginia to bail you out at the end. Do I think it is possible that an attempt will be made to stuff the ballot box? Yes, I do. Do I think it could succeed? It might. Do I think the people will accept the results this time around? 
they're in for a fight. I think there are people, especially in places in Northern Virginia that used to be absolute blue strongholds that may give way. Just enough people. In other words, they plan for a certain kind of victory. And it's getting a little bit harder to get. So when you get little warnings like it may take till Friday, is it take that long to manufacture the ballots you're going to need? Am I accusing them of considering cheating? You bet I am. You bet I am. We have enough known cheating in American history to make this very possible. And Virginia is one of those kind of states because of the machine in northern Virginia. They could do their best to make it happen. And so I pray for honesty and integrity in the elections in the Commonwealth of Virginia tomorrow. I know many people have already voted, early voting, and I pray those ballots are secure and legit. And, and if you don't think it happens, just, just use a little bit of logic in your mind here read a story not long ago. I've shared this with you. In Fulton County, Georgia, for example, you know, that's where Brad Raffsenberger, you know, Brad Kemp and uh, Brian Kemp and Brad Raffsenberger, they keep saying it's a fair and perfect election in Georgia. (laughs) No, it wasn't. What a bunch of liars. What a bunch of reprobate rhino liars that need to be removed from office at the next election. And I think that's going to happen. I really hope it happens because we spent a lot of time in Georgia. So explain to me how this works. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook spent, you know, about a half a billion with a B dollars to influence the election. Now, I can't spend money to influence an election, but they can. And they gave money directly to Democrat counties, places they knew that they could get cooperation. Yeah, a half a billion dollars with a B, billion not million, billion. And in Fulton County, Georgia, for example, they got a lot of these drop-off ballot boxes to put out there in the county so everybody dying of corona could, you know, walk out of their house and drop the ballot directly into the ballot box. Not a mailbox, the ballot box. All these boxes paid for by Fascist Book, also known as Facebook, And there was one box in particular, their security cameras, and one of the videos got out. Turns out that only 30 people used this one particular drop-off box. I mean, this is a critical thing, you understand now, that we have to have these drop-off boxes. And 30 30 individuals used that box. 30. Like 3-0-30. But amazingly, those, those, that box, that one box had 19,000 ballots. 30 people, 19,000 ballots. Oh, I'm sure the, the election is honest and fair in, in Fulton County. By the way, Biden only lost Georgia by 11,000 votes. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? And so here in Virginia, or I should say up in Virginia, where the daughter and son-in-law live, and I have a brother that lives um, in Virginia as well. He's been there for many years. And I have friends all over the state of Virginia even listeners to this program, of course, in Virginia. And I pray, I pray your election is honest and fair because the people that are currently in office representing the Democrat Party are reprobates. 
The school board in Loudoun County is, is one of the greatest examples of, of how reprobates can ruin education. Saw a video the other day, shared to me over the weekend, a mother addressing a school board there and giving her reasons why her child is no longer in a perverted public school. My children are now in private school and are thriving. We had specifically moved into El- chased out of LCPS due to the swift and uncompromising political agenda of Superintendents Williams, Ziegler, and, sc- the, and the school board that have forced upon us. First, it was in early spring of 2020 when my six-year-old somberly came to me and asked me if she was born evil because she was a white person, something she learned in a history lesson at school. Then you kept the schools closed for a year and a half despite the science indicating that it was safe for kids to return. And now you've covered up a rape, then arrested, humiliated, and falsely accused her parents of being domestic terrorists. I wish I could return my kids to LCPS. Private school is expensive, and I want my kids to be able to walk home from school with their friends in their own community. I refuse to allow you to destroy our schools. They are not your schools. They are our schools. You all should be ashamed, and you should have the moral courage to admit you are wrong and step down. And will they do the right thing and step down and resign? Of course not. Those school board members that ran for that office have an agenda, and they don't care about you. They only care about their agenda. They have taken it upon themselves. This is their mission in life, to have full control over your children, to change them, remold them, recreate them in a very Moloch and satanic image. I'm telling you, The public school system of today is the dream, is the dream of that wonderful individual that everybody's supposed to celebrate. John Dewey, born in what, 1852, died in, it was, no, born in 1859, died in 1952. He's often called the father of modern education, John Dewey. And he was a unique individual. He was never a believer in God, but he would use, quote, the word of God, even though he didn't believe God even existed. He'd allowed that to be used in school. See, as he got deeper and deeper into the concept of public education, he began to redefine the education system in the United States. Like I say, Dewey was an atheist. But he wasn't afraid of religion. He didn't get apoplectic and scream separation of church and state. He was wise enough in his time to use religion to help in controlling children. He knew his goal for education would take longer than he would see in his own lifetime. This is something I want you to grasp onto right now. If you don't remember anything I say today, those that are doing the work of Satan, to be honest, they are on a mission, and they will keep on that mission even if they never see the end result for themselves. Too many good people are looking for instantaneous results, and if they don't see results today or tomorrow or next week or by next year, They get discouraged and throw their hands up. Those that are after your children, they know it may take 50 years from now, and they may be dead and gone. 
Dewey had that same, John Dewey had that same philosophy. He modernized public education and he was considered progressive, which had a a different connotation to most people back in the 1920s and 1930s. The term being progressive, it meant being modern. It meant being, you know, electric lighting, an automobile. Being progressive was not so much a moral thing as it was purely a technological thing of its time. We are progressive in America because we had factories. We are progressive in America because we had electric lights. We had, we were progressive in America because we had, you know, single family homes, neighborhoods, and cars. And, and John Dewey followed that trend, rode the wave as somebody that would surf would say, I'm riding this wave of people that the general concept of being progressive was not a negative thing. Having heating and air conditioning by the 1940s was a progressive thing. And so Dewey was the big figure in the rebirth of not just how we did education in this country, but he's, he's the rebirth of the foundation of what we know today as modern humanism. And he was a bit controversial in his, in his own time. Like I say, Dewey was, was an atheist, and he, he hoped beyond hope that he could gradually use the education system to remold children into a new mindset. Well, it took a long time. Long after he died, he died, like I say, in 1952. Even when I went to school in the 60s and 70s, there were probably some of his thought processes in education, even in some Christian schools. We didn't realize it at the time. Dewey, Dewey liked to have, quote, this religious impulse, and he liked some of the religious language, even if people didn't believe in God, because in his mind, government and schools should become the new God, and we should treat it with, that, with such dignity and honor. He's very much... Today, he'd be embraced by Unitarian Universalism as a way to gather community. And so we have in Virginia, you see this culmination of what progressive education has become. It's become a cesspool. When you have teachers telling six-year-olds that you were born evil because you're white, and listen just to a couple of seconds. This is this is a professor from a major university, Rutgers, in New Jersey. And it's actually like a five-minute diatribe. I am not going to play it because some of the language is coarse, filthy, and unbecoming of an educated woman. But just the premise of what she has to say begins with these words in this five-minute F-bomb-laden diatribe. I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate, right? The real sort of issue here, and I, you know, I've heard people sort of say it, is one, I think that white people viscerally fear. It's not that white people don't know, right, what they have done. They know. And this, my friends, is what it's come down to in the education, or I should say indoctrination centers we have today 
called colleges, universities, and now high schools. They're teaching this idea of critical race theory to divide us further. All white people are evil. White people must apologize for their whiteness, which makes no sense. I apologize to God for my human and sinful nature, not my whiteness. Nobody should apologize for the pigmentation of their skin color, but for their attitudes and for the things they've done wrong. But see, the progressives of today, which are a true danger to our nation today, they're the ones promoting division by race, division by economic class, phony climate change. See, you, you the guy with the SUV living in your small house with a mortgage, you're killing the planet. But I, John Kerry, can fly around in my private jet to make decisions to tell you how to live. It's blatant hypocrisy. It is what a despot, evil mind does. The evil-minded person believes they are above you. You are to be subjected to these evil-minded people. You are their plebes, their slaves, and you do things for their good, not your own. You're there to serve them. This is what has become the billionaire class in the world today, the Klaus Schwab's of this world. Those that are in education, they want to reset the minds of children. A person like Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum could never get away for a moment with some of the nonsense that he's been spewing for over a decade. People in America back in the 1960s and 70s would consider him a nut job. He's out of his mind. You're going to own nothing and be happy. I mean, literally, Klaus Schwab believes that nobody should own anything except the elites. The elites need to own it all and then give you an income and then rent everything back to you with that income. Of course, if you don't do their bidding, you don't get your income. Then you can't buy food. Then you can't do anything except serve them. And if you don't think we're not headed in that direction, we are. But it took all these decades of conditioning in the school system to get a population of young people that think socialism's a great idea because they have no working knowledge of how disastrous it generally is, like in Venezuela. They don't understand. They are spoon-fed limited facts. They're given their plaything called a smartphone. They're told their parents' morals are antiquated. Do your own thing. The schools today teach white children that they're just born evil, and they have to apologize for that for the rest of their lives. The school systems, like in Loudoun County, are satanic. I'm going to say it again. Demonic, satanic. If you are a Christian, and you have a child in any of those kind of school systems, you got to get them out. I don't care what it takes. If it means you can't have that second home or that long vacation, get them out of the school. What is more important, a bigger house or the destruction and, and of, the, of your child's soul? And it's coming down to that for too many people. They, they, they want the big house. They love the SUV. They like the vacation. They like their job. But none of it is worth losing your child's soul to Satan himself by putting him in these satanic places like the Loudoun County schools. 
where boys can declare themselves to be girls and rape girls in bathrooms and they cover it up because they don't want you to know. But see, see, they're so in tune with this new educational idea and you evil parents that have morals and, and you may, you may read the Bible and go to church. Oh, we got to stop you. We need to turn your children against you. You white heathen devil, that's kind of their attitude. These woke school systems, they're not going to be shamed into doing anything. They're going to look at you as the enemy, and they're going to find a way to use the police to handcuff you, jail you, throw you out. They're going to destroy you. They'll do anything in their power to ruin you because they believe they're doing their God's service, and their God is Satan himself in trying to steal the souls of our children. You know, I didn't really plan to get into this little diatribe at the beginning of the program today. But tomorrow in Virginia, if you haven't voted and you're a registered voter, you need to get out there and say no to the evil that is Terry McAuliffe, the evil of Loudoun County School Board and others like it all over the state of Virginia and all over the nation. Those kind of evil reprobate, delusional school boards are everywhere. They're in all 50 states now. Don't think you're exempt. There are some that are not as far along as others. But I can tell you, you go to some districts, some cities, some states, they're taking your children and they're reforming them in a satanic image. And telling you that everything you believe in your home is wrong and evil. Your children, many times in many of these states, look at you with disdain. And all they need to do is get off to some university and get away from the parents' clutches. Be deep in debt. I'll tell you, we're coming into an age... We're already here. Now, listen, on the other side of the break, I'm going to take the break just a little bit early. I've been, and I may share some of this again tomorrow and on Thursday. I've got a, a guest again on Wednesday, and I want to be I thank Jim Calhoun. This We had a, a very busy weekend this past weekend. Uh, we had a wedding on Saturday, and I was the officiant, and it just, you know, it all came together. It was a lot of work for these Last couple of weeks, we did most of it ourselves. Found a venue, found the food, did it. We, we basically did it all. And it was not a very big wedding, but still, there's a tremendous amount of work and then the cleanup after, and, and we, we got it all done. And so we're beginning this week. A uh, lot of things on my schedule that I'm looking forward to getting done uh, in regards to this radio program and uh, increasing the shortwave outreach. But on the other side, I've got a couple of stories. I may share more of it again tomorrow. But when you hear this story that I've got that goes back to 2017, it's going to be an eye-opener. Now, if you believe in the ministry of Truth to Ponder, and I want to thank all of you that have given your support. We're now entering the month of November, our 15th month. And, and I really believe we're going to continue on for, for quite a while, as long as God allows this program to be on the air. I really believe that this winter the program is going to grow because a lot of news stories, are I think, are going to start coming out. 
And a lot of a lot of places are going to try to suppress this information and news because it's going to look unflattering to some of the people that are in charge. Like I say in Virginia, I pray your election is not stolen out from underneath you. When I hear little statements like it may take a little longer to count all the mail-in ballots, I get nervous. Is it they need to create some on Wednesday morning to make sure they have enough by Friday? If you believe in our ministry, would you consider helping us financially to pay for the radio airtime? Our mailing address, and by the way, the mail is now beginning to catch up, is 5753 Highway 85 North. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, number 3248, and we are in Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 32536. That's Crestview, Florida, 32536. Once again, that address. And by the way, if you're making out a a check, make it out to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. This program stands on the, the Word of God. And our address is 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. And we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The first Ahava. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn. Your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. The very first mention in the Bible of love, where was it? Well, the Hebrew word for love is ahava. Where is it found? The very first. Well, interesting, very profound. It's found in Genesis 22. The Hebrew word ahava, love. First mention is when God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, ahava, whom you love, and and offer him up. Love and offer him up. Interesting. Amazing. The very first love, what does it mean? Well, this is clearly a shadow of the father offering up the son. Ultimately, Messiah being offered up by God, the Son of God. This is the first love in the universe is really about this. This is a shadow of that first love. All love comes from the Father and the Son. In Messiah, we're joined in that love. But something else, the context, look, whom you love and offer him up as a sacrifice. Very first love, and you see the word offer up and sacrifice. Because the first and highest love of all loves comes from the sacrifice of God. Ahava. True love is on that cross, and it means in our lives to not cling. God's love, the involving of sacrifice. You're going to love? Well, that involves sacrifice. Love when you feel like it, love when you don't. In marriage, you love no matter what. Sacrifice to love. When it's hard to, when it's easy to, doesn't matter. When you don't want to forgive, you sacrifice your love. That's love. Choose to love when it hurts. That's love. The highest, truest love of God is the sacrifice. The love he gives you and he gave for you. God sacrificed for you, so this love... And the power of it is that of the sacrifice. For the first love is the sacrifice. Want more? Ask for the wounded prophet. Imagine being plugged into a special line let you know on future events, news behind the news, biblical prophecy updates on Israel, what you need to know as an end-time believer, and teachings and strength for every day of your week. Well, you can get it. And the incredible mystery of the temple doors, all free. How do you get this all free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. And I invite you to join me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way from Moscow to Madagascar, even to Jerusalem. 
Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. And you can have a part in the End Time Harvest. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah. Ahavat Adonai. The love of God. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to Truth to Ponder. For this Monday edition, I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Got a lot I want to share in this half hour. I hope I get to everything that I have. I do have a news story. I'll probably share it today, and I might even share it again later this week. I have a good friend of mine in town that to help out with a wedding. Somebody I knew from my days working and living around Anderson, South Carolina. And his name is Dan Harvell, an outstanding photographer, but also a man that stands up for what is right in our nation. Uh, He's been very politically active, and uh, he shares the same concerns that I do about much of what is going on in this nation today. And I'm hoping that while he is down here in Florida for a few days, that he and I will get a chance to sit down somewhere and have a little discussion. He's got some insight about January the 6th and also about the CDC protocol in treating people that have COVID-19 and how he believes, as many do today, that these protocols were designed to kill more people, not save anybody. Denying of treatments that work, to me, is just genocide for a purpose. And what could that purpose possibly be? Got two stories here that I want to share. One, one occurred, actually, it goes to last night. I'll be honest, I didn't see this particular program. I missed it with all that's going on. But an Israeli historian, you've all know a Harari, wants you to be terrified about the future. And he was on 60 Minutes last night, and he's a Hebrew University professor, and he's scared that America, he's going to scare America half to death with his dire prediction. He said that human beings are rapidly gaining the ability to alter their bodies and brains through technology. And he says that through gene editing, designer babies, neuroenhancement devices, and because these bionics aren't cheap, this could be hereditary, hereditary fork in the road. In other words, he's seeing the day, and, and we've talked about it on this program a few times, transhumanism where we become less human and more connected to our technology. Did anybody notice that Facebook has got a new parent corporation called Meta? Facebook will now just be an entity underneath this new company called Meta, M-E-T-A, Meta. See, Facebook understands something. While for many people it is, quote, the platform, it's the platform increasingly of older people, not younger people. Don't be deceived. I mean, Facebook, in terms of young people, is becoming a dinosaur uh, like MySpace became when Facebook came around. And so to stay ahead of the curve, companies like Facebook 
are understanding something about technology and intertwining it, this virtual reality. Mark Zuckerberg, there's a video. I, I wish I could play it where you could see it because you have to see it to believe it. The idea is, you know, everything in life, you're going to wear these virtual reality goggles and you're going to be in a virtual school, a virtual office, a virtual everything, and your relationships are going to be held through technology, not through human contact. This is where they're trying to push us. They want artificial intelligence then to reign over us, to control us, because it's the easiest and most efficient way to control the population. It, it concerns me. It should concern you. Let's see our young people. How many of our young people are given, how many, how many little children at age three are given their first smartphone to play with? They play games on it. We think are harmless, but they're becoming so in tune. Look, I have a problem because I do I use a lot of technology, but I've got to find a balance. And, and our schools and our kids today, they're not finding that balance. They're being pushed into that direction. Now, this other story that I want to share with you is going to be highly illuminating. And I want you to do whatever it takes to be able to pay attention for the next few minutes. This is urgent. So for the next couple of minutes, I want you to pretend that we have a time machine. And I want to pretend that we can go back just a few years ago, you know, before the coronavirus was unleashed on our world before the term COVID-19 was on our lips, before the idea of pandemic, lockdowns, shutdowns, 15 days to, to flatten the curve became a part of our, our, our collective mindset. So what I want to do is kind of remember a cartoon <laughs> invention for a moment, and, and I want to imagine that this invention can take us all the way back to the year, to January of 2017. Well, what is it? Well, actually, it's a time machine. I call it a Wayback. We just set it, turn it on, open the door, and there we are. Or were, really. So I've got the Wayback machine set to January the 20th of 2017. That's almost four years ago. 2017. And and I'm looking at this article that appeared in a publication called STAT, S-T-A-T, STAT, like you hear used in a hospital. We need you in this room, STAT. Well, th- this article talks about a company, and they're talking about some of the, the issues this company is facing. And here's the title of this article from January the 20th, okay? January the 20th, 2017. Headline, lavishly funded Moderna hits safety problems in bold bid to revolutionize medicine. (laughs) Moderna, you've heard of them. Dateline, San Francisco. Moderna Therapeutics, the most highly valued private company in biotech, well, they've run into trouble, uh, troubling safety problems with its most ambitious therapy. Stat has learned, this is the publication, 
and is now banking on a mysterious new technology to keep it afloat, to brash its promise of reinventing modern medicine. Are you following what I'm saying here? Listen carefully to what I'm telling you. Exactly one year ago, which would be back in January of 2016, okay? Moderna CEO Stefan Bansell talked up his company's unbelievable future before a standing room only crowd at the annual JP Morgan Healthcare Conference held in San Francisco. He promised that Moderna's treatment for a rare and debilitating disease known as Kreigler Dejard syndrome, developed alongside biotech giant Alexin Pharmaceuticals, would enter human trials in 2016. It was going to be the first therapy using an audacious new technology that Bansell promised would yield dozens of drugs in the coming decade. But those treatments, that test, was delayed. It never proved safe enough to test on humans. And that came according to several former Moderna employees and collaborators who worked closely on the project. And unable to press forward with that technology, now listen to this carefully. This is an article from 2017, okay? Moderna had to focus instead on developing a handful of vaccines turning to what they consider a less lucrative field that might not not justify the company's $5 billion valuation. It's all vaccines right now, and of course vaccines we all know are a lost leader. That's what the former Moderna manager said. Moderna right now is a multi-billion dollar vaccine company, and I don't see how that'll hold up. They're going to need something. And he made no mention... This is the guy, you know, Bansell, the leader of Moderna, made no mention of their failure with this one drug they promised in 2016. His presentation, this is the guy that heads Moderna, his presentation, 2017, focused on four vaccines the company is moving through the first phase of clinical trials. Two strains, two target strains of influenza a third for the Zika virus, and the fourth remains a secret. Hmm. The fourth remains a secret. Well, Mansell clicked through a bunch of graphs and data from all the animal studies before hurrying on to tout the Moderna balance sheet and discuss the company's cancer vaccines and things they're working on. When the publication called Stat asked Mansell after the presentation uh, about the Kreigler and Azure uh, project, he didn't have an answer. He, he asked him to look elsewhere. Now, understand the history of Moderna here, okay? Moderna was founded in 2012, and it reached what they call unicorn status in the stock market, which means worth $1 billion with a B, in just two years. In just two years, they were worth $2 billion with a B dollars, and they never had bought any product to market, never turned a penny. 
by 2014. In other words, they, they came together in 2012 with all these outrageous promises of all this stuff they could do with this wonderful technology that they were possessing, and people kept pouring money in from the stock market. $1 billion valuation and not one product on the market and nothing even on the horizon by 2014. And the company's promise of the right now, this, this, this is two, this is an article. This is a 2017 article. Just so you follow. See, according to everything they were saying back then, the company premise back then, what they were trying to develop was using custom built strands of messenger RNA known as mRNA is any of this beginning to sound slightly familiar to you messenger RNA and it turns the the idea that Moderna was trying to push out there was it would turn the body cells into a little drug factory compelling them to produce the proteins needed to allegedly or possibly treat a wide variety of diseases but Here's one of the issues. This is from the article in 2017. mRNA is a tricky technology. Major pharmaceutical companies have tried and failed and abandoned the idea because they could never get the mRNA into cells without triggering some nasty side effects, including the death of the patient. Bancel has repeatedly promised that Moderna's new therapies will change the world. But the company, right even to this day, has refused to publish any data on its mRNA vehicles, sparking skepticism from scientists that know better. And I'm telling you, Editors, scientists, researchers, doctors were looking at this and saying, you people are crazy. You're insane. You're, you're, this, the idea of using this to cure everything, like a software downloaded into your body to change everything. The indefinite delay on the Chrysler Najara project signaled a persistent and troubling safety concern for any kind of mRNA treatment that needs to be delivered in multiple doses, covering almost everything that isn't a vaccine. The company did disclose a new technology that was back in 2017 that says it may more safely deliver mRNA. It's called V1GL, and there's another term called N1GL. But... In neither case will the company provide any details, and that lack of specificity has raised many questions. Now, this is back in 2017. Three former employees and collaborators close to the process said Moderna was always toiling away on new delivery techniques in hopes of hitting on something safe, that uh, safer than what they had. Even Bancel acknowledged that in an interview back in 2016 with Forbes magazine. 
And he said, this is what the head of Moderna said in 2017 about what they were looking to experiment with, with mRNA technology, the backbone of the vaccines for the coronavirus that everybody demands you take. He admitted back then that the these first vaccines using this stuff were not very good. You know, these technologies, are they any better? According to the articles, the N1GL or the V1GL better? The company has produced zero data to answer that question. When the publication Stat asked about the new technologies, Bansell referred them to the company's patent filings. The former employees and collaborators say they believe N1GL and V1GL are either very recent discoveries, either in the earliest stages of testing, or most likely just new names slapped on technology that Moderna has owned for years. And here's here's what we what I call the quote of the day. This technology would have to be miraculous. I hail Mary sort of save for them to get where they need to be on their financial timelines. That's according to a former employee. Either Bansell is extremely confident that it's going to work, or he's becoming extremely nervous and jittery that with a lack of progress, he's got to put something out there, or the money will walk away from the stock. Former employees and collaborators who spoke with Stat, the magazine, requested you know being anonymous because they had signed non-disclosure agreements, which the highly secretive Moderna requires job candidates to sign. Stat Magazine also learned in an investigation that in 2016 that Bansell had driven away the top talent from Moderna with a culture of recrimination and a caustic work environment, including on-the-spot firings for failed experiments. Now, Moderna is technically based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, seems to have repaired its reputation among many rank-and-file employees. But Moderna has lost more than a dozen top scientists and managers between 2013 and 2017, in that period of time. Now, understand that Bansell, Stefan Bansell, who's the, the head of this He's the CEO of Moderna. He's a first-time biotech CEO. And he dismisses questions about Moderna's potential back in 2017. He, he describes the mRNA as a simple way to develop treatments for scores of ailments. mRNA, this is what Bansell said in 2017. mRNA is just like software. You just turn the crank and you get lots of products going into development. But according to Stat Magazine, 2017, that software ran into a whole lot of bugs and problems. I'm looking, I'm not going to get into some of this stuff. Patients with Kregler Najara missing a key liver enzyme needed to break down uh, bilibrium, a yellowish substance that crops up in the body as old red blood cells break down. Without that enzyme, 
it proliferates in the blood, leading to jaundice, muscle degeneration, and even brain damage. And so Moderna figured this one-in-a-million disease looked like a great candidate to experiment with mRNA therapy because nothing else was out there. The company crafted a series of mRNAs that would encode for the missing enzyme, believing that it hit upon an excellent starting point to prove the technology could be used in treating rare diseases. But it all fell apart in 2016. Every drug has what's called a therapeutic window. The scientific sweet spot where a treatment is powerful enough to have an effect on the disease, but not so strong as to put patients at risk. Now, here's what you need to remember. This article makes it clear that for mRNA, that has been totally elusive, unable to be done. Are you listening to this? What, what is the technology used in the coronavirus vaccine? mRNA technology. And here in 2017, after years of trying, uh, they were having trouble making it work. In order to protect mRNA molecules from the body's natural defenses, drug developers must wrap them in a protective casing. And listen to this. You've heard all these terms on this program before. For Moderna, that meant putting its therapy, this one for this Kregler najar therapy, in nanoparticles made of lipids, which is a fat. And for chemists, those nanoparticles created a daunting challenge. Dose too little, and you don't get enough enzyme to affect the disease. Dose too much, and the drug becomes toxic. From the start, Moderna scientists knew that using mRNA to spur protein production would be an extremely tough task. They scoured the medical literature for diseases that might be treated with just small amounts of additional protein. Something like this particular disease, which just has one issue, it was considered like the lowest hanging fruit on the tree. Yet, by 2017, Moderna could not make the therapy work. That came out in 2017 from former employees, collaborators, and people that were very close to the project and gave up. They said the safe dose was too weak and repeated injections of a dose strong enough to be effective had troubling effects on the animal studies, including damaging livers and other diseases that cropped up over a period of time. Now think about this. Moderna then was working on new and better formulations that might later reach human trials. A huge valuation with a modest pipeline. The future in its most and most advanced therapy cast doubts on Moderna's other goals for rare disease space. Back in 2017, Moderna's valuation pegged at $4.7 billion by PitchBook. The company raised $2 billion in cash from investors and partners, but it has done so by promising revolutionary technology, mRNA, that works, which had not worked. And they had to fall back on more modest things to keep the lights turned on and the doors open and payroll met. Now, 
Beyond the four vaccines, it has one early-stage trial targeting a cardiac disease in conjunction with AstraZeneca. That was back in 2016. It goes on and on and on. According to this story back in 2017, I want you to remember this is 2017. The current valuation of Moderna's IPO, single single biggest in biotech history, and investors are scratching their heads back in 2017 on how this company's uh, currently vaccine-heavy, you know, real vaccine, not phony mRNA vaccine, could justify any kind of a number like that. If Moderna chooses to stay private, it's unclear if they can ever raise more cash. You see, they were in financial trouble, friends. 2017-18 were not good for a company called Moderna and their mRNA technology. You know... Mansell said, we'll look back at 2017 as our liftoff. As when we finally got our act together and then we made things happen. You know what people said? As someone pointed out who read the article back in, this is from January of 2017 as well. This person's a big fan of the Stat News. It provides the best pharmaceutical articles of any publication. And then they said what you need to look into is a little bit more about the the bios of the characters involved. You know, Stefan Bansell does not even have any kind of a scientific degree. His background is supply chain. His right-hand man and the president of Moderna is an MD who's never practiced medicine <laughs> and went on to just advise companies more about the financials than the medical. So none of the top leaders at Moderna back then had any real education or background in the kind of research they were doing. Someone else writes, mRNA is like software. You just turn the crank and gets lots of products going into development. And this person writes, that statement in and of itself should disqualify anybody from being hired at any serious research organization. Workplace accolades, all of it means nothing. What a world we live in. That's Moderna. The vaccine that many are touting as the solution to get us out of the coronavirus mess. Isn't that a scary thought? Now, I want to pick up on this tomorrow, but I wanted you to have this little bit of background. I'll kind of review it again, maybe tomorrow and again, maybe Thursday. I'm not sure. I'm hoping to have my good friend Dan Harvell on the program somehow, some way, uh, maybe tomorrow or Thursday while he's in Florida before he heads back to, to South Carolina. He has a story to share about how the CDC protocols when someone has COVID in the hospital are deadly and how a friend of his that should not have died did die because the hospital refuses to properly treat. This is going to become the issue. These CDC protocols where they say you can't treat with anything except a ventilator and blue lips and, you know, we just hope for the best. Or use remdesivir, which, you know, causes serious damage and can kill off the kidneys. In other words, there's something nefarious, evil, and wrong about this entire approach. My friend Dan also suffered COVID-19. 
and had a doctor that did properly treat him, and he recovered rapidly. Dan is also about my age. So it it shows that somebody in their 60s can be treated successfully. But if we follow the the, uh, protocols of the CDC, they're more likely to kill people than help people. I'll be sharing more later this week on these very topics. I've been collecting some stories that I want to tie together. There's also a spiritual component that we will also address this week. I just wanted to get some of these news stories out there. And I wanted to mention Virginia because the election is tomorrow. And we pray for the state of Virginia that there may be some hope there. And we pray that those that may try to steal the election, may God's light be upon them so their evil can be seen. It's an uphill battle in that state. Do you believe in the work that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? Like I say, tomorrow we're going to get back into these stories about what I just was sharing from 2017. I've got more. When you start tying them all together, it's a really nasty picture. One that should terrify you of how we got to this particular point. It's scary. And I think there's an unholy alliance of the elites that are trying to control us. I think this vaccine will injure and over time cause a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth in the population in the United States, no doubt in my mind, and the world. In my mind, there is something very evil, very evil going on. And what I cannot wrap my mind around is why this urge to vaccinate our children. There is no legitimate scientific reason for our children to be wearing face diapers that lower their oxygen in their blood, raise COT, cause headaches. They're not going to infect and kill you. They're not little killers out there, the unvaccinated. They're not lepers. I think the teachers that are screaming for vaccinating children and putting face masks on them are reprobates. Get your children out of those satanic schools immediately. No more. Christians have to say, we are done. Enough is enough is enough. We're going to get into all of this tomorrow. Even more. I've got more stories that will make you angry. If you believe in our work and can help us financially, if you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, that's Ancient Word Radio, and mail it to the program Truth to Ponder, our address is 5753 5753 Highway 85 North, Highway 85 North, number 3248, number 3248 in Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 32536. That zip code again, 32536. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Truth to Ponder. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.